Welcome to the Soft Life with Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies is the antidote to mental health stigma, and this podcast is hosted by yours truly, Priscilla O. Adjman. We are a virtual sanctuary centering Black and multiracial people, and we prioritize the mental and emotional nourishment that is the foundation of collective healing in our communities. Thank you for being here. Welcome back, baddies. Happy Monday. Welcome back to the Soft Life. I'm so happy to have you here, and I hope that your week has been providing you with softness and ease as much as possible. I also want to acknowledge that this time of the year can be very challenging and very triggering for a lot of folks. We are in the holiday season rush, and some of some of you might be feeling detached from your loved ones or may not be able to spend as much time with the people that you love. So I'm just sending you a big virtual hug if you might need it today. So recapping with last week's episode with Nam Bachmeyer, aka the cyclical coach, I really, really fell in love with this episode. Nam is such a light and such an expert on menstrual health and cyclical living, which is all about living within your menstrual cycle and living in alignment with those hormonal changes that happen every month. If you are someone that deals with hormonal imbalances or has had difficult periods in your life, literally, (laughs) this episode is for you. It is so resourceful. So definitely check it out and follow us on the Soft Life Pod if you're not already for all of those juicy details and extra information that can help you along this healing journey. Today's guest is very special and her name is Hillary Maddox. Hillary and I met through Instagram, um, actually through the podcast. So Hillary is a very amazing person in the way that she expresses her journey. And she is the founder of Black Girl Country Living. Hillary left the city for life in the country. She fell in love with nature. And now she has found deep healing in the process. Currently, Hillary is helping others explore their relationship with nature, themselves, and the earth through her writing and upcoming workshops. You can find her writing on Substack and Instagram, which will be linked in the show notes. Let's welcome Hillary to The Soft Life. All right, welcome back to The Soft Life podcast. Today, I am welcomed by our beautiful and amazing guest, Hillary Maddox. And Hillary is somebody that I actually came across through social media. We crossed paths um, through the podcast and through our conversation, got to learn more about her and her story. And I just want to welcome you onto the show, Hillary. Thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, so could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you are right now, and what you do for a living? Yeah, yeah, so um, I am located in Whidbey Island, Washington, just off the coast of Seattle, Um, and I um, am the founder of Black Girl Country Living, creator of Rewilding Events. And um, I help people reconnect with nature. Um, and my background is kind of a, a winding way to this path, but um, I thought I would be starting a career in social work, got my undergraduate degree, um, did an internship in mental health, loved the work, just felt like I wanted to have an impact in a different way. 
Um, and to be honest, <laughs> it wasn't going to pay my student loan bills. And so I went the corporate route and um, I spent the last decade doing um, learning and development programs for some of the biggest companies in the world and um, was most recently at Amazon doing executive development. And um, after we moved out, uh, left Seattle and moved out to the country during the pandemic, I just had this moment of like, you know, I, I'm going to take this leap and create something of my own. Um, because I saw just how companies build things out of nothing. And I thought if they can do it, I can figure it out. So that's where I'm at now and working on creating something wonderful to get people back into nature. That's awesome. I think your story is really interesting and I would love to know more kind of about those like aha moments that you might have had during your upbringing. Um, I know, you know, sometimes in retrospect, we don't even realize like, wow, this path was carved out for me all along. And so you take a step back and you realize, you know, everything happened exactly at the time it was supposed to. Do you have any of those moments in your upbringing that brought you to where you are today, especially in your focus of slow living and country living? Yeah. Oh my gosh, totally. Um, So I had an interesting upbringing. Um, I grew up in South Dakota, was born and raised there. Um, I am black and biracial. Um, My dad is black from Baltimore. My mom is originally from South Dakota, but they ended up in South Dakota because um, they were in the Air Force and that's the last place they were stationed. Mm -hmm. Um, But I grew up basically in an all white environment. I had my two older siblings and just always kind of yearned for um, spaces of safety and feeling like fully accepted. And I think that is what drew me into social work to begin with, that I think helping people find um, acceptance for themselves, helping them find peace in their lives was something that I always wanted for myself. And I wanted, I thought maybe if I could help other people do it, I could do it for myself. And I think growing up in a time and space when you're, you're a place like South Dakota, like you just think that there has to be a bigger, better world out there. And so everyone always said like, you'll miss it when you're gone. And I left, went to Seattle, went to the San Francisco Bay area. And there was always part of me that was like, I need to, I want to go back to slow. I want to go back to a pace of life that feels like there's not a million things tugging me at all times. And I told my husband that, and he's originally from the city and he's like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a good pace of life. And we didn't know how it was going to happen. We made a vision board and all of these pictures on it were slow living oriented and we had no idea where it was coming from or when it was going to come into to being but it happened and we were just ready for it wow that's amazing i am so inspired by the fact that you and your husband did a vision board of this new lifestyle <laughs> that you literally called into into fruition that's pretty amazing and i mean yeah. i think it speaks to the power of not only manifestation but being intentional about um, your your 100%. next steps. Exactly. Yeah. Can you share exactly what slow living and what country living is for those who are unfamiliar? Yeah. Um, for me, I guess the name Black Girl Country Living, I adopted that because when I first started just sharing on social media, the reactions I was getting from people and 
what I was seeing as I was trying to find other people doing what I was doing is that you don't see black girls in this space of like, of being in the country, of living in harmony with the land. And so in a way, it was just something to make you pause and say, oh, that's interesting and that's different. Um, and it's continued to be that. And as I've gotten deeper into this community, I've come to find that it's really not all that unique. There's a lot of us and it's really beautiful to find. Um, and the slow living is really just about a more intentional pace of life and being able to step back from um, I just always call it like keeping up with the Joneses when yeah. we were in the city. And I think during the pandemic was the first time where it all came to a stop. And I was just like, oh, I, I can choose what to engage in and um, how to, you know, commit my time and my energy. And I just wanted to hold on to that. And I think that is kind of what we've tried to bring into our slow living life. We don't have a TV. Um, we're really intentional about um, the kind of media we consume. Um, we're very thoughtful about um, spending time doing creative stuff with our family, with our kids. Um, it's just a process of really being present and being in our bodies. Yeah, it sounds the word that kept coming up for me while you were sharing that was reclamation and rec mm. re reclaiming what our ancestors did naturally. Um, yeah. without really being forced to, it was just this intuitive knowing. Um, and I think that's what I think of when I think of slow living, it's, that's how things were way before, yeah. you know, technology kind of came in and social media and, um, having like this hyper pro productive way of living that is sometimes really out of alignment with what our, our bodies and our minds and our spirits really need. Um, in the mm -hmm. moment. And um, one thing I really love about your, what you share through Black Girl Country Living is you're really sharing like this anecdotal experience, but in real time, it feels. Um, I read your your post that you shared on, on your birthday um, recently, and it just was so beautiful and, and heartfelt. And I love that you're sharing not only the highs of this lifestyle, but some of the challenges too. Um, and if you could share some of the challenges that you might've faced while you were in the early stages of adapting into this slow living lifestyle, like what were some things that you might've had to give up or some things that were a little bit difficult in this transition when you and your, your family decided that you wanted to embrace this as a lifestyle? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I try and be really honest because I think that there is this movement of like cottage core return to the land yeah. <laughs> that sort of makes it feel like you just show up and it's simple and it's all there yeah. and like your life just gets easy all of a sudden. And that's definitely not it. Um, and I've learned that the hard way many times. Um, but I think when we first bought our house and it's on um, a little bit over an acre of land. Um, we thought that we would just be using it as a vacation, like a weekend home and maybe like Airbnb it out because we weren't mm -hmm. sure how long we'd be working from home. And um, so we weren't thinking that deeply about it. 
And, and the longer it got into the pandemic, the more we were like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna last for a while, maybe we should just think about moving full time. And for the last up until that point, we had been living with my in laws, my husband's parents in the city, Mm -hmm. Um, my husband's childhood home, and his brother lived there. And it was a really beautiful multi generational living situation. It was really awesome. And we had our first son um, with with us there. So it was hard to walk away from that because we have a great relationship with my husband's parents um, and walking away from, you know, a support system, essentially. Um, Both of my siblings are also in Seattle and um, we had no idea what we were getting into. Like the moment from tree like leaves falling on the ground and trying to figure out what are we supposed to do with all of these leaves to things breaking in the house and trying to figure out how are we supposed to fix this um especially in a rural place where it's not like there's an app you can just pull up and like have somebody show up (laughs) at your house like a task rabbit yeah exactly exactly and we were living in tech hubs so like we were in san francisco and in seattle during like the height of all of these convenient services. So we were used to kind of like being pampered, having groceries delivered, Mm. um, taking an Uber where and when we wanted it, um, having great places to eat that were, you know, food from around the world. And all of a sudden that stuff is just gone. And that was a big adjustment. And I'm, I'm, I love to eat. I love a good pastry and coffee. Same. (laughs) Same, same, same. Right? So <laughs> giving that stuff, giving away, giving up that stuff was hard. And mm-hmm. I think it took a while. Like I remember calling my sister up on the phone and just like bawling. And I was pregnant with my second son and just telling her, this is awful. I hate it here. It's so boring. And just not knowing like at what point would this not be just boring? And mm-hmm. at what point would this be something I could enjoy? or if it would ever be that. So it took a lot of work and it took a lot of introspection and a lot of asking myself why I wanted this in the first place to get to a place where I could actually enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for being so honest. I think that your recounting of your transition is so interesting because like you said, there is like this resurgence of cottage core and you know, kind of going off the grid, if you will, Um, that I think a lot of people, a lot of folks on social media and TikTok specifically are sharing more and more of. And it sounds, it looks like the solution to all of our problems, right? But I always think of the quote, like, you take yourself wherever you go. Um, So no matter where your environment changes, how it changes, you still take yourself. And some of those, um, maybe to some people, frivolous things that you mentioned, like, I love me a matcha latte. I love me Mm -hmm. like a guava Danish. Like, I love (laughs) all those little things that, you know, you can kind of just get very quickly and efficiently in in the city. But, you know, you're when you do make that decision to choose a lifestyle that is slower, you might be giving up some of those things and it's not always easy. I think it's really, um, I appreciate your honesty with that because I think we can apply that to almost a lot of areas in life. Sometimes when we're making this big jump or a big leap, we might have to let some things go, but at the end of the day, the benefits do flourish and they do come. 
um, in those little moments that you that you share. Um, One thing I would love to know is how you learned this skill of farming and tending to the land. Is that something that you researched or Googled or YouTubed or learned from a friend? Or was that something that was always inherently in you and your environment just brought it out of you um, once you moved the countryside? It was like all of those things. Um, So my mom grew up on a farm in South Dakota. And so Mm -hmm. I grew up going to visit Um, It was two farms about a mile away in South Dakota, like on the prairie. And these were relatively large farms. But for compared to industrial farming now, they're small. They're 160 acre farms. My aunt and uncle lived on one with my cousins. My grandparents lived on the other. And I think we just got exposure to that way of life and using your body. And um, my mom taught us how to can and how to preserve, how to bake, Mm -hmm. how to cook. Um, we were in 4-H. So we got a lot of exposure to that. But at the same time, it was always kind of like, this is deeply uncool. And I don't know <laughs> why I would ever use these skills. Because like, there's restaurants. And, yeah. you know, so it seemed like an outdated skill set to have in a way. And so mm-hmm. when I left South Dakota, it was kind of like, you know, I'm just leaving all that behind. And I'm a new person now. Um, but when we moved out here, when I realized, oh, I can have a garden and I can grow Mm -hmm. things, it really started to invite back in some of that wisdom that I know I had Mm -hmm. and not just my mom's side of the family, but my dad's side of the family are, I mean, I know we have, um, a history of, of slavery in our family and Mm. being able to reconnect with the land. Um, and I found another black woman my age who'd moved up Mm -hmm. here from LA to begin farming. Um, we kind of shared that in common where we were Mm. both returning to this on our own terms. Like you said earlier, uh, reclamation, yeah. We were coming back to it on our own terms and we would be sitting in her field and I was kind of apprenticing under her and just learning about farming over the summer and just imagining what were our ancestors doing when, you know, yeah. they were uh, picking the corn and, you know, they had obviously a very different relationship to the work they were doing, but they also had to find joy in it somehow. Yeah. And I think that there's something really incredible and and powerful about having that relationship with the earth um, that our ancestors did and just being able to tap into them through getting our hands in the soil and just imagining what they could have been experiencing. Yeah, I, that resonates so deeply with me. Um, I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch the film already, but um, Will Smith was um, recently featured in a a film um called emancipation and it's yeah it's it's about um an enslaved person named peter who um by literally hell and high water returns to his family after being separated um Mm. during the revolutionary war and so it really showcases oh sorry the civil war it's it really showcases his knowledge and his knowing of the land um that was the theme that kept popping up is that he knew that 
honey was an antibacterial ingredient and he put it on his wounds and he knew that eating onions would um, kind of push away the scent, his natural scent from the dogs that were chasing him. He knew how to fight off the alligators in the waters because that is the only way he could get through the swamp and get on the other side. Like there was just so many mm-hmm. moments where I was like this knowing this like deep ancestral yeah. knowing. And it's fascinating that it's, you know, obviously that is, that story is so unique in itself because it's really a story of not just endurance, but triumph in itself. However, I really did take away that connection of Black people and our ancestors having this knowing of the, the land yeah. and having this knowing of nature. Um, and how can we go back to that? How can we um, reconnect with with those aspects of nature? Um, I also would love for you to sh- touch light on how nature and you being so close and connected to nature now allows you to explore how it's affected your mental health um, and just the connection that nature has with our, our mental health as human beings. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to have to watch that movie now. Um, that's so yeah. beautiful. It's that's really, so really cool. beautiful. Yeah. Um, as far as mental health, the way that I think about it, um, because I, I've always struggled with my mental health. I, um, I wrote about this, so I'm, I'm, I share about it openly because mm-hmm. it's not, um, I don't think it's that personal. Um, mm-hmm. I was on, um, anxiety and depression med- medications for over a decade mm-hmm. and, um, moving out here. Well, let me back up. I guess I should say nature for me is like the ultimate representation of being present. Mm-hmm. And I think when we, it is like engaging all of your senses, it is sights, sounds, it is being in a space that is, makes you wonder and makes you can feel small and yet connected to everything. It's really powerful. And I think oftentimes we are in our heads so much that we are not in that natural state of presence. We are in the future, anticipating, planning, trying to figure out, trying to make the backup plan for the backup plan. And that's like the anxiety um, state that we live in. And then uh, for me, the depression was just ruminating on all of the things from my past of all the things I wish I would have done. I should have said, I wish I didn't do that. Um, And I think what nature allowed me to do was just pull me into uh, the present so that it's not that those things don't exist. It's just that I recognize that life is still moving forward and I don't necessarily have control over those things. And I can choose to be sort of mentally drifted off in those places, or I can be here. And I think just the access to the outdoor space has brought that into my awareness and made that really clear that um, I can be a much healthier person when I have an understanding of what it means to be in the present versus being in all of these other places. Yeah. Wow. That's so true. That's so true. Nature really is the definition of being present. I couldn't agree more. You know, like you think about some of the most peaceful moments in your life, and I'm sure a lot of people 
are going to mention a moment that has something to do with nature, whether it's physically mm-hmm. being outside or, or something natural that happened between, you know, you and a loved one or you and a friend totally. or, you know, it really all goes back to nature. Um, yeah. And thank you for sharing that reminder <laughs> that we need to go outside yeah. and touch, touch some grass sometimes. That's, <laughs> that's like, yes. yeah. you know, sometimes it's all we need. Um, I also would like to know what some of the stigma and challenges um, are attached to country living or slow living. Um, I think one thing that I can think of is that it is only for rich white people um, that can embrace country living or slow living. What are some other uh, stigma or um, statements you've heard that myths, for lack of a better word, um, tied around country living or slow living? Yeah. Um, So I think there's a few that come to mind. And one is you mentioned a quote earlier about um, about it wasn't this exactly, but wherever you go, there you are. Something along those lines. Yes. It's just like you can't you have to be willing to step into a new way of being and a new way of understanding yourself and what is important in life. You can't just. I, I jokingly tell my in-laws like I moved out here and just tried to reroute my Amazon packages because I was <laughs> <laughs> I was just being so stubborn about just letting things go and it's hard it's really hard yeah. so I think I think it is not just like taking what you have now and slowing down and it's also not um, completely disconnecting from the world um, because you know obviously we were able to do this because we have remote jobs. And, um, and that's, uh, so we're, we're deeply connected through technology still. Um, and I think the other one that comes up often is, um, in the same vein of who is this for, um, -hmm. I hear a lot from black women in particular about, um, you know, I want to pursue this, but, um, I don't feel safe or, um, Mm. it doesn't, I don't, I don't. I don't know if um, I would be welcome or if I would experience racism. And I think it's first important to acknowledge that those sentiments and those feelings come from somewhere mm-hmm. and they come from a deep history of having a really violent relationship with the land, of being forced to work the land, being forced off of the land um, not being welcomed in natural spaces um, having to, you know, leave spaces, natural spaces and flee them. Um, those stories do have real backing and, and real, um, real history. And I think it's important to recognize that there's also stories like you shared earlier, um, emancipation, um, where we absolutely belong here and they remind yeah. us just how connected we are to these spaces um and that um it is scary to um move your life and you know set up somewhere that is completely unknown where you don't know how you will be embraced but i think that in that there's also a huge opportunity to decide who your community is going to be. Mm. And I guarantee you, you will not be the only black person or 
of color in that area. It takes work to find your people, but they are around. Um, and, you know, there's in the small area that I'm in, there's a network of, of BIPOC folks who get together, they do events, mm-hmm. and we look out for each other. And so it's not going to be um, it's not going to be if you're coming from a city like a densely, unless you're in the south somewhere, um, yeah. a densely populated um, area of black and brown folks. But we are out here and we've been out here. And I think having taking the opportunity to dig into the stories of the ways in which we've always been connected to the land, um, I think should hopefully give people reassurance that we can absolutely do this. Yes. And I think it's important that you highlighted the importance of community there, even how you were sharing your, um, when you first transitioned into country living and slow living, how you were under apprenticeship, you know, and that, that is really community bonding. That's community care in itself is that that's knowledge sharing. And I think it's um, just something to be highlighted that this is done in tandem with community. It's not, just, you know, a form of escapism where, okay, I'm just going to be off the grid. It's truly, you need community in order to have this be sustainable, um, a sustainable way of living, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I would love for you to share some of the ways that slow living has transformed you physically, um, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally um, in your journey. Sure. Um, so I think um, the ways it's been, it's been just a profound, like coming to understand myself differently through nature. And I think just thinking emotionally and mentally, um, one of the big things that comes to mind is my ability to go off of my medication this last year. Um, mm. and with the help of, I was working with a natural path and, um, I had great support system around me, but I just felt like I, I feel like I can do this on my own. I feel like I can face the things that I used to find really challenging. I also wasn't in the kind of physical environments that were creating a lot of, of stress and microaggressions, to be honest. And, um, I was just ready to try it. And, I think that so much of that had to do with being in a space of um, safety, of ultimate acceptance, unconditional love. Like those are all things that that nature has really offered. Um, And I think that that's kind of connected to the spiritual aspect. Um, I grew up in a Lutheran church and Mm. just never, it never really resonated with me. I think um, and I connected, I molded together this idea of spirituality and religion and was like, well, if I'm not going to church anymore, mm-hmm. then I don't, I'm not a spiritual being. And truly, yeah. like I had, I had just, I was like, I guess I don't need it because I can't find a church. Mm-hmm. And I had tried throughout my 20s and 30s to find a church and it just never really stuck. I didn't feel at home anywhere. And then when I moved out here and I was in my early stages of adjusting, I would just go outside and sit outside. And I had just had my second kiddo. So I would sit on the deck with him and nurse him. And there was just like this 
funny thing happening where I'd be out there and I'd be like, what is like, there's something that's like physically happening to my body and I can't tell what is happening. And two of my really good friends are Episcopalian priests and we have, um, um, we have regular meetings, uh, and we were doing regular calls during the pandemic. And I was describing this to them and I was like, mm-hmm. something is happening. And my, my friend who has a deep Southern accent, she's like, it sounds like you're, it sounds like you found the Holy spirit sister. And I was, I just, was like, just about what? to say that. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, no, yeah. that, like, that can't be. And I was in such a denial because yeah. it wasn't the church. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a long time to come to an understanding that those things are separate and that we are spiritual beings and um, really start to appreciate the spirit in me and the way that it connects to all that is around us. And um, it's just been a really interesting journey of recognizing that um, I can cultivate that on my own. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That this makes me think so much of, you know, just the way that spirit is alive and how it feels. It's like that presence that you mentioned, you know, Um, and while you were sharing that, I I couldn't help but think of my mom who would have definitely told you the same thing if you asked her in her Ghanaian, (laughs) in her Ghanaian accent. She would have told you the same thing. (laughs) So it's just, I think it's beautiful that, you know, like you had this very deeply personal, um, visceral experience and just the fact that it was in nature and it was with your, your son. And if I, I just appreciate the fact that we can experience those simple moments while Mm -hmm. we're literally just existing like not having to do anything but just exist um it just is reassuring that those moments can be multiplied um as many times as possible but especially in nature I think yeah is what kind of makes it hit home um yes yeah thank you for sharing that that was beautiful um I would love for you to share some of your thoughts on rewilding and Mm -hmm how it's guided your own wellness journey. I know that you've been, you've written quite a bit on this topic. I would love to know more about what rewilding means to you and yeah, your journey with rewilding on your wellness practices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it really started when I was trying to Google and look up like what is I wanted like a scientific explanation of mm-hmm. what nature was doing to me <laughs> <laughs> and like you know I just needed to understand I needed yeah. language and um I kept coming across this term rewilding and it was used in an ecological context to describe people taking a, a formerly uh in inhabited piece of land and returning it to basically its natural state of just mm-hmm. allowing nature to run its course, allowing animals to come back, um, allowing native plants back in and um, for a natural balance to just take hold. And I, it just resonated so much for me that that was kind of what was happening in my own body, that there was 
just a natural balance taking back over. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have just, I, I dabble in so many things. I, you know, for a living, I just, I learned basically. And so I've just been figuring out how this concept applies to all of these different areas of our lives. And um, from taking time to, you know, rewild the way that we are moving through this holiday season by, you know, thinking about what is this really for? What is really essential at this moment? Yeah. Um, to taking time to rewild our relationships and figuring out um, how do we set healthy boundaries and how do we communicate effectively? Because those things have to do, they pull and tug on our energy And when we're off balance, we're giving something away that we don't want to be giving away. It creates resentment. And I think that there's so much to be said about how, um, how we balance our energy um, and how we kind of rewild who we are. Um, Mm. And there's so much, so much to that. Um, So yeah, my, my uh, vision and sort of ambition now is to help people apply it to their lives and figure it out. Um, what it means to um, start with wherever you're at and start to return to a place of of balance and harmony. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is, that's really, really helpful insight. And um, I think how you shared just, it doesn't need to be this it doesn't always need to be this um, major decision that we make and like wake up and say, okay, like, all right, I'm going to just start over with life and I'm going to completely, you know, move away and and start over and start from scratch, which is great. But some of us don't have that opportunity to, you know, switch gears in that way. But rewilding sounds more like a, a mindset and a practice of mm-hmm. being intentional and being keeping that curiosity at the baseline of what we do and um, yeah. how, how we move through this world. Um I am someone that spends a lot of time indoors. <laughs> I I work from home. I live in New York City. Um, I live in Manhattan. I don't. I I spend a lot of time indoors. I spend more more time indoors than I would like to admit. But one practice and one thing that I want to bring into the new year is spending more time outdoors. Um, what are some ways for folks like me? who spend a lot of their time inside to slowly reconnect back to nature on a regular basis. Yeah. I love this because that was me a hundred percent. I was <laughs> like, I don't need to be outside. Thank you very much. Like I don't need to go on hikes. I don't like things touching me. Um, and to this day, I'm, I would never describe myself as outdoorsy. And I think that we have such limited vocabulary about the yeah. kinds of relationships we can have with the outdoors. It's either like you're you're a homebody or you're outdoorsy, and right. there's like nothing no in between. between. Yeah, yeah, and and that doesn't leave room for the fact that we ourselves are nature, yeah. and we all go back to the land at some point in our history. And we are part of a connected web of life. And so I think we have just become sort of blind to the ways in which we're interacting with nature every day. When we Mm -hmm. interact with ourselves, we are interacting with nature. So oftentimes we're like, I need to get out of here. But, 
you know, there's, there's ways that we can bring ourselves and center ourselves through simple like meditation, yoga, um, mindful eating, like all kinds of things when we are just present with ourselves. Um, because like I said earlier, it's, it's nature is really about what is present. What is, what is, how are you engaging all of your senses in that moment? That is nature. And I think in a more like get out of the house sort of sense, I think um, one exercise that I think is really helpful and powerful is just imagining just the space that you're in and kind of rewinding that space and how it might have looked a hundred years ago, 200 years ago, what that space may have been filled with, Mm. the kinds of plants, the kinds of animals, um, the kind of noises you might be hearing, the birds, um, and just remembering that even when we step outside um, and we might be in the middle of a city, we're still breathing Mm -hmm. air. There are Mm. still trees around us. All of that is us being present in nature. And when we take a moment to pause, take a deep breath, take that all in, we are being present with nature. So I think it's important not to sell ourselves short and say that I need to like get out of the city, go on a five mile hike and like be outdoorsy in order to do or benefit from having a relationship with nature, your relationship with nature can look like a lot of different things. Yeah. Wow. That imagination practice is so that's unlike anything I've ever heard of before. And it's definitely something I'm going to try to implement on a regular basis. That sounds, yeah. Yeah. It's such a simple concept, but I think it really does help to bring us back into the present and, um, feel reconnected with nature. So thank you for sharing that. I'll definitely be trying that out (laughs) and letting you know what comes up for me. Let me know. Yes. Um, I, would love to know like some of your self-care practices, like three of your go-to self-care practices that you have, whether it has, um, it does involve you being outside and intending to the land or being in nature or something indoors. But what are three self-care practices that you've um, started to cultivate um, since embracing slow living? Yeah, there's, I mean, I I think my concept of self-care has shifted dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to kind of th- see it as like, you know, going to get my nails done, going to get a bite to eat. And now it's like more about how do I just like embrace stillness and embrace rest and em- embrace being in the present. And I think one of my practices as a mom is to always take time for myself every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I have two young kiddos and I love them deeply. And um, I also know that if I'm running on empty, I don't give them what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am very, and my husband knows this too, that I always need some time in my day, um, whether that's just taking time to lay down and really being intentional about not using that time to like think through a problem or solve somebody else's problem, Mm -hmm. but be present and restful Um, or going outside for a walk or going for a drive, um, Mm -hmm. any of those things. Um, 
I'm also really become more intentional about moving my body and using my body, mm-hmm. um, whether like moving something. Sometimes I just, I, we have two ducks and sometimes the only <laughs> I see time your ducks I get all the time. I'm <laughs> yes. like, I yeah. need to know more about the ducks. Like I'm fascinated. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they're so much fun. They're really fun. And, um, they're, I have to carry their water up and down a hill. And sometimes <laughs> like just that activity is like, Oh yes. Like I'm, I have a body that I can use for difficult things and coming from being in a job where my, you know, I aspire to be like a thinker and like, you know, not use my body. And so many of us, I think, are divorced from using our bodies um, or scared to use our bodies. And I think it's just a really helpful reminder that uh, my body is good and my body can do difficult things. Yeah. Um, And I think the last thing is just writing every day. Um, Mm -hmm. I take time to write and read in the evenings after my kiddos go to bed Right now, my husband and I are doing like a writing practice together. So I think it's kind of a combination of sharing time, creative space, and um, just creating something um, that's that's uh, my own and not just consuming. I love that. I love that. And um, big fan of the ducks and their feature <laughs> on your <laughs> on your Instagram. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Oh, thank you for sharing. They are stars. They are. They really are. We should have had them as, um, (laughs) you know, they're funny that they're like right outside the window. They're like, are you talking about us? (laughs) They know. Hold on. Oh. Oh my God. Can you see them? Yes. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Iggy and Barney. Wow. I... I'm so glad that they they're literally right right with you basically in the door yeah, over. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh my gosh. Um yeah, definitely if you're not following Hillary, you you need to follow her on Instagram. She has the most wholesome and comforting content <laughs> that I see Aww. on Instagram, truly. It's beautiful. Um well, my last question for you is about softness and what softness means to you as a black woman? Oh, I think for me, especially after a long career in spaces where I felt like I always had to be strong and keep it together. um, And now being in a space where I feel safe and I feel embraced and loved and um, I have support. I think softness really comes back to being able to be my full self. And that includes showing the range of emotions that I have and, um, and not being afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm a crier and my husband knows it. And I, I have two young boys. And I think it's really important for me to be able to express when I'm frustrated. I always cry and have, you know, my moment. And Same. I've never, seen my mother do that. I've mm. never seen a lot of women in my life show that kind of vulnerability. And for me, it became really important for me to show that vulnerability in front of my husband, in front of my boys, because I do not want to be that strong woman who is just always able to keep it together because 
Yeah. I think that that is what breaks us. Yes. Wow. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I obviously am really grateful for you sharing your your journey into slow living and country living. But more more than that, like who, how this has shown up for you in your wellness journey, in your personal journey, in your family. It's really inspiring, and thank you so much for for sharing your story. Yeah, um, how can folks stay connected with you? How can folks learn more about your writing and your projects that you're working on, and just stay in community with you? Yeah, um, so I am writing on Substack, uh, BGCL, mm-hmm. Black Girl Country Living. Um, on Substack, and uh, I'm on Instagram under the same name. Um, I will be relaunching my newsletter as more of sort of a curated magazine of a lot of different stories in the outdoors in 2023. So um, I think it's really important to know that our voices are out here in nature, and um, we have been. So that's really what I'm trying to bring into it. And yeah. I'm also moving into creating physical rewilding workshops and um, actually just um, uh, found out that I'm going to be in um, the REI incubator program for small businesses. Oh, congrats. So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So there will be more to come. And so if you want to follow the journey and be part of kind of helping shape, I, I reach out to the community a lot for input on what um, these are going to look like, um, definitely follow me and uh, subscribe to the newsletter. Absolutely. And we'll have all of that linked in the show notes. But Hillary, thank you so much for spending time, for showing yeah. us the ducks, for <laughs> showing, <laughs> sharing your story and inspiring so many of us to live slower and more intentionally. I appreciate you and your energy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. To stay connected, join Saddy Baddies on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and more, and sign up for our monthly newsletter on SaddyBaddies.com to stay in the loop. Sending you hella love and stay soft, baddie.